Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher and the time is right. Welcome to our monthly book club and welcome our author, the strong and powerful Connor Richardson. Connor, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Connor is a CPA. He's a personal finance expert and he is the author of Millennial Money Makeover. I'm excited to have you on. Connor, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do, what motivated you to write the book. Um, well, yeah, I can definitely do that. And I just want to say thanks for having me on. I'm uh, excited to be here today. But a little bit about me. Um, I'm a CPA. I uh, work in the finance and accounting industry by day and work on a podcast um, and writing um, in the evening. And I'm a father um, of two little kids. I have a four-year-old and a, a four-year-old son and a 10-month-old daughter. And I'm married to a, a wonderful and beautiful wife. And we live in Austin, Texas. We lived here for about almost five years now. We moved from New York City, where I was working in finance and accounting um, there as well. Nice. A four-year-old and a 10-month-old. I love it. I've got a soon-to-be three-year-old and one on the way. So we are in a similar situation. You're just about a year ahead of me. So well, Excellent, and congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. When we're done interviewing or recording the show here, I've got a bunch of questions I'm going to ask you about that. So anyway, so uh, you, your book's been really, really well-received. It's been extremely popular, and it's having a great impact. Um, when, when, you, when, when you are thinking about people picking it up for the first time and reading it, what are you hoping that that people get out of it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing really is that when people pick up a book about personal finance, it's a very, it can be a very difficult moment. And the first thing I want people to know is that they are not alone in this <laughs> process. <laughs> um, there are 75 million millennials in the U.S. today. And a bulk of them are going through what you're feeling right now. And so if you're picking up a personal finance book, that tells me a couple things. One, you're either trying to get out of debt or just better your financial life in general, or perhaps you're just curious. So if you're one of those three, you're not alone. And the second major message is that you can do this. I mean, personal finance at its core is is incredibly simple and it's really about boiling down all the extracurricular activities that are happening in the finance world into simple math, which you definitely mastered in middle school. So you can do this. Oh, I certainly love that. And empowering people to 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 be successful with money and break it down and simplify things. I think that's excellent. So um, so yes, you can do it. They, they read the book. What, what are you hoping that they'll walk away with and what, what will the book have done? All right. 
Well, the book can be consumed in a couple different manners. It's really written in a sequential order. So it the beginning of the book starts with turning professional and really making the decision to turn your financial life around. And then it walks you through those sequential steps that you need to take in order to do that. So that begins with, you know, getting rid of all your debt, learning how to budget, building up the savings and automating your, your financial life. And really in that process, you can consume the book one chapter at a time, or you can kind of read the whole thing through. But either way, what I hope people take away from the book and what I really want it to do is begin the conversation about money that they haven't had before they read the book. And that's really an opus, open and honest conversation with yourself about your relationship with money and your spending and your saving, and perhaps really begin that conversation with a family member or a spouse or friends and family who are going through the same thing that you are. You know, one of the things I highlight in the book is that, you know, you're not alone in this process because there are so many millennials out there struggling with this. So the chances are one of your friends is going through the same thing you are. So it's an, it's an excellent thing to be able to team up and conquer this with someone. I love it. And I think that everything you just said is 100% accurate and, and, and doable think that if people when people do have or have after reading this book when they are thinking about picking it up you're walking them through the steps that they need that you need that they can take and they need to take to to really in your words transfer their financial lives and set them up for long-term success so you know and i'm i'm 100% confident that the book has really really has some incredible tools um, and a ton of great insight that being said, just doing the work and 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 putting the time to read it and then have conversations with people, that simple action I think is makes such a big difference. Yep, absolutely. And the thought really that this is not going to necessarily happen overnight. It's a conversation that develops and depending on where you are in your financial life, this can be a multi-year process. And if you do it well, it's something that will last uh, the remainder of your life. You know, it's living the rich life, as I kind of talk about in the book, is not necessarily strictly about money, but it's designing your life and the life that you want to live. And, and money is certainly um, a part of that, but it, it just provides texture to that life story that you're trying to build. I love it. So are there certain habits that, that you look at and you say, okay, you know, people really need to knock this stuff off? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the first is, is the internal self-talk that this is something that is insurmountable that you can't get past. Um, and so I try to distill that early on in the book. You know, the book starts out with a lot of negative stats about millennials. Hmm. Um, you know, 66% are financially illiterate. Over half um, are concerned about their ability to repay student loans. But the reality is I kind of start with that and then say, you know what, you can do this. So it's a matter of, of turning that internal self-talk of gloom and doom into a positive outlook. And that's why setting short-term and long-term goals is something that we do early in the book. And so, you know, you, you can't go anywhere unless you have goals. And if you do, it's just by happenstance. So we try to be very intentional with, with where you're going and we write those down. Um, and then I think, you know, good habits of getting rid of your credit card debt, uh, that this, 
mantra that you have to have a credit card um, to spend on everyday items and and hack the system, um, you know, there's a is a bad one. And so I try to to instill the idea that credit card debt is is not a necessary evil. You know, if you look at the skyline of major cities around the U.S., the, cre- <laughs> the credit card uh, companies are on those tall buildings, and there's a reason for that. Is because they're in business to make a profit um, through through the regular habit and the regular want to overspend beyond your means. So cash is king, and limiting yourself in your expenditures is a is a major win. Well, I think that that's really well said right there, and and and, and amen. Well, we, we kind of started off by talking about how just starting to think about and have the conversation and, and, and learn about taking control of your financial life is a, can be a really watershed moment in anybody's life and can set you up for long-term success. So how, and, and you also talked about how this is not sort of a one and done. It could be, you know, if you read it and, and, and you successfully implement everything and, and you get on the right track, then success. How often do you think that people should be thinking about money or maybe revisiting these sorts of ideas or doing goal setting? Yeah, that's an, uh, a thorny question in the sense that it's it can be highly nuanced, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are, let's just say, in the, cro- in the throes of credit card debt or student loan debt, like most young millennials are, um, then revisiting goals on a you know quarter or yearly basis is is excellent because part of the reason you set goals is to give you that that short term dopamine release mm-hmm. once you have success and that's incredibly important those small wins are are absolutely necessary to build up that longer term momentum and so if you're you're getting rid of credit card debt you know that's why uh, we start with the smallest balance first, we tackle that, and then we work our way up to those higher balances. Um, and there's a reason. There's a psychological reason for that, and there's there's science behind it. Um, but if you're saving, the same thing exists. You know, you you have a short-term and long-term goal, and you check in quarterly and maybe annually. And then, once you really get cruising, um, you don't have to check in as often, and and you don't have to think about it. Um, unless you're setting up uh, shorter term goals for yourself. I love it. And I know that you shared a little bit about this, but is there anything that you really wanted to avoid when, when you said, okay, I'm going to write a personal finance book, but I don't want to do this. Right. I think one of the things that you think about when you're, when you're writing a book. And so I guess I'll, let me back up for a second. So I read tons of finance books Mm -hmm. before writing this. And the only reason I wrote it is because I, I couldn't find something that was written for me. And one of the things that comes along with that is you want to write everything. And so whittling down the book to, um, a specific, cohort, which is, you know, young millennials getting out of debt and then really starting that savings journey, that's a book unto itself. And so I wanted to avoid going past that of all these things that they could do afterwards because everyone likes, you know, that shiny, sparkly distraction at the end, which is investing and whatnot, but you really have to do the tactical ground game and, and set your base up for your financial house and make that very secure first. So that's what this book does. Nice. I like it. 
And since writing it, has has your perspective on anything changed? I I don't think so. I think it has made me actually a little bit more resolved in what I wrote. Um, and and part of that is because once you write a book, you have to stick to everything in the book. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the the mantras and the maxims in the book. Uh, provide an excellent framework. And so one of the things that I talk about is the 10, the millennial money makeover, 10 principles of success. Mm-hmm. And they're not these, you know, hard and fast rules, but they're sort of um, pithy statements about how you should think about money in general. Um, and leaning on those consistently and throughout your life will be rewarding. Um, so I think, you know, just making sure you're grounded uh, is is incredibly important. And once you get to the process of or to the point of of savings and you're starting to accumulate cash and investments, it can be easy to lose sight of those rules and and processes for for why they exist in the first place. And um, you know, so sticking to those is is the difficult part, but that's why they're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oftentimes things worth doing are are not easy by any stretch of the imagination. So, yes, a- amen to that. <laughs> so, so those ten are, are are those really the main ideas that that you think you if you were to say, hey, I really want to reinforce these, or are there other parts? Yeah, I mean, I think reinforcing the principles those are something that you can come back to over and over again. And in fact, I have them sort of on on my desk in front of me every day, just as a reminder, um, because there are some really tactical things in the book that once you accomplish that, um, or those, those particular things, you don't necessarily really need to come back to them as you progress through the book, but these principles sort of live on in, in perpetuity, um, after the book as well. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. Do you have a personal favorite? I do. I, there's there's ten, but there's a couple that I really really like. And one of my favorites is um, learning at the rate of experience is is too slow. Mm. Um, and I actually I had a former CEO tell me this, and it really I think applies to to the financial world in general. And if it relates relating it back to the book, it's that you have you don't you don't have to figure this all out by yourself. Um, this book will provide a playbook for you to follow sequentially to get to where you want to go. And it's backed by not just my anecdotal stories, but research and academics and people much smarter than myself and doing all this research that, that proves each of these different steps. So you'll hear from professors from Harvard and Northwestern and NYU, Stanford, others, tons of studies scattered throughout this book. I love that. And while experience may be an excellent teacher, it is it is way too slow. Yeah. And the, the, there's no need to go through the drudgery of self-experience sometimes. Yeah. None of us have time, right? None of us That's have right. time. Um, well, is, is, is there something about the book or rather, I'm sure that there's a lot that, that you are most proud of? I think the response is what I'm, I'm most proud of. Um, writing a book takes, takes a lot of effort and we've sold thousands of books at this point. And I, 
one of my favorite parts of this whole process is getting emails and success stories from people who have actually implemented what I'm talking about in Millennial Money Makeover, or they'll tell me where they are along the journey. And, you know, we offer each other words of encouragement. And I just love that, that, you know, they've taken it, um, they've distilled it down to their their personal journey and they're, they're killing it out there. So I, I love, I love reading those emails. Um, and that makes it worth it. Yeah, no kidding. What a, what an awesome thing to have to, to do the work. And obviously I'm I'm sure it took you a really long time to do the research and actually write the thing and do the editing process and then actually put the thing out there and then to get great feedback has to be, and for good reason, something you're very, very, very proud of. So so to those folks that, 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 that they reach out and they say, hey, man, you know, this has been great. You've, you've really helped. You've changed my life and put me on the path to success. Do you have any other advice um, above and beyond the book? Um, for, the, for those people and for, for anybody that reads Millennial Money Makeover, it's, my, my advice is to, to keep doing what you're doing, which is being intellectually curious if you're picking up a book to change the trajectory of your financial life, um, you know, there's books that will go beyond millennial money makeover. And that's sort of what I've been thinking about of, you know, the next step, um, once readers get past accumulating savings and, you know, it's sort of, what do they do with it now? So I've been toying with the idea of another book, but, but the encouragement is, is keep that curiosity up um, because it will serve you well, not just now, but but in the long run. So just keep that momentum going. I love it. Any, uh, and I know that you mentioned that a lot of the personal finance you books did books you read didn't necessarily resonate with you, but any recommended reading? Sure. So they there are a lot of excellent financial books out there, um, and some of my favorites. I guess if I had to to choose a couple, I think. Uh, the richest man in Babylon is an excellent read. Um, it, it's short and concise and and philosophical. So if you haven't read that one, I, I certainly recommend it. Um, Happy Money uh, by Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton's and another terrific one. Um, and I think another one would be The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas Stanley and William Danko. All three of those. Are, are excellent reads and will certainly make you want to dive deeper. Love it. Well, Connor, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of the book? So they can get a copy of the book wherever books are sold. Uh, at least that's what my publishers tell me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, your local bookstore. Um, and you can find me at millennialmoneymakeover.com. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Connor Richardson, 360. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Connor your appreciation and share the Millennial Money Makeover with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, people who are committed to uh, personal enrichment and learning and doing better. Um, go to millennialmoneymakeover.com. Check out all the great stuff that he has on the website. What's the name of the podcast? It is in the works right now, ah, but it's okay. uh, by by the same title. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. All right. Well, thank you again, Connor. Thank you, George. I appreciate it. Enjoy and, it. Yeah. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about 
How do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.